0: Somewhere in Scotland, there is a castle. This castle is unique in that it functions as a school, but not just any school, a school of witchcraft and wizardry, Hogwarts. If we were there now, we would travel through the great hall to the classrooms. We would walk past portraits whose subjects are moving and conversing with one another. We would ignore a portion of a wall pretending to be a door. We would say hello to a ghost and avoid the poltergeist throwing ink bottles at the janitor. We would climb moving staircases and jump over trick stairs we would finally arrive to the staff room. In that staff room, we would see a room full of old mismatched chairs. At the end of this long, paneled room is a wardrobe wobbling and banging off the wall. We would soon discover that the wardrobe is currently home to a boggart, If we time our entry correctly, we might hear a shabby-looking Professor Lupin explaining that boggarts like dark, enclosed spaces, wardrobes, the gaps beneath the beds, the cupboards under sinks. Sometimes they are even in grandfather clocks. We will quickly learn, with the help of Hermione, a powerful, intelligent, brilliant young witch, that boggarts are shapeshifters that can take the shape of whatever it thinks will frighten us most. According to Professor Lupin, nobody knows what a boggart looks like when they are alone. What we do know about boggarts is that they can only take the form of one fear at a time. When there are more than one person with multiple phobias, the group has the advantage, and the bogart will not know what shape it should become. It doesn't know, for example, whether or not to become a headless corpse or a flesh-eating slug. Perhaps it may become half of a slug. The trick To finishing off a boggart is laughter, or forcing it into a shape that you find amusing. When you have imagined something amusing, you cast the spell, ridiculous. So for example, the boggart becomes a blood-stained mummy, ridiculous. The mummy trips over its feet. The boggart becomes a banshee about to shriek. Ridiculous. The banshee starts coughing and croaking. The boggart becomes a giant rat together. Ridiculous. The giant rat chases its tail. The boggart becomes a rattlesnake. The giant, uh, the, the rattlesnake turns into an eyeball The boggart, it's starting to get confused. I'm starting to get confused. (laughs) The boggart becomes a withered hand. The withered hand gets trapped in a mousetrap. The boggart becomes a spider. It becomes a hand connected to eight other hands, and the boggart vanishes. Today's lessons invite us to face our own boggarts. Jesus has brought the crowd six new parables about the kingdom of God. In the first parable, Jesus compares the kingdom of God to a mustard seed, the smallest of seeds. When it grows, it becomes the largest of trees. In the second parable, Jesus compares the kingdom of God to a time when a woman took a small amount of yeast and added it to a large amount of flour, and the result was an astronomical amount of leavening. In the third parable, Jesus compares the kingdom of God to someone who finds treasure in a field and sells everything they own and buys this field. In the fourth parable, Jesus compares the kingdom of God to a time when a merchant was trying to find pearls but found one pearl that was greater than any other pearl. So he sold everything he owned to buy it. In the fifth parable, Jesus compares the kingdom of God to a person who pulled up a net full of fish and sat on the beach to separate the fish, good and bad. Finally, In the sixth parable, Jesus compares the kingdom of God to a merchant who brings out all of their treasure. On the surface, these parables may seem easy, but boggarts are often the best deceivers. In the region Jesus was telling these parables, the type of mustard seed he was talking about grew into bushes. Not trees. Something small grows into something impossible. Perhaps this indicates some form of, of imposter syndrome. So our boggart becomes an animated bluebird and ridiculous, transforms into the letter X, like Twitter. Oh. <laughs> <coughs> the woman is In today's gospel, puts a small amount of yeast into the equivalent of 60 pounds of flour. Perhaps this fear comes from the fear of being unprepared. So our boggart turns into a bathroom with an out-of-order sign on the door and, ridiculous, transforms into an overnight bag stuffed with underwear. In today's time, we might want to be clear that when we buy a piece of property we own, what's in it? That is to say, we own whatever we buy. This same debate is what occurred during the time of Jesus. So either the landlord is being crafty, or the punisher, or the purchaser is. Either way, they both seem to have a fear of being taken advantage of. So, our boggart might turn into a marionette puppet and, ridiculous, transforms into a famous New York politician using a sock puppet to announce their second run for presidency. Amy Jill Levine, a Jewish New Testament scholar and friend to the Episcopal Church, reminds us in her commentary of the Gospel of Matthew that the fishermen in the parable are following kosher. So what is wrong with separating bad fish from good fish? Wheat from wheat, lookalikes, or poison ivy from peace lilies. Our boggart becomes a pile of fish and, ridiculous, transforms into a two-headed fish with a catfish wearing a top hat on one side and a salmon wearing a revealing dress from Gucci on the other. The boggart is getting confused? And why would you show what is valuable and what is cheap? Why would you show your guests both the new things and the old things? Isn't that prideful? Isn't that risky? Isn't that foolish? So our boggart turns into a broken clock and ridiculous. A millennial who is trying to figure out a rotary phone with instructions written in cursive. <laughs> the boggart is gone, but our fears stay. Perhaps, like me, you sometimes have a small amount of faith and you hope that someday it will be big enough so that people will not see your doubt. So maybe there is a place where mustard seeds grow into trees instead of bushes. Or perhaps we do something small and hope that it will result in an infinite amount of good. Maybe there is a place where a 60-pound bag of flour can be leavened with a half teaspoon of yeast. Some of us may have found the perfect branch of Christianity, or what seems to be the perfect religion, after spending a lifetime searching for something better. Maybe there is a jar somewhere out there full of marbles with the purest of pearls in the bottom. Some of us may have been raised in a dog-eat-dog world and learned to manipulate others before others manipulated us. Maybe there is a treasure in a field somewhere That is longing for our skills to be used. Some of us may have been in situations where a single mistake could be so detrimental, so we became obsessed with clarity. Maybe there is a place where we can separately, where we can clearly separate two heaping piles of fish with good and bad, clearly separated from one another without causing inequality. Some of us may have been born into poverty and have learned to accept all of the memories associated with that, both positive and negative, so we tell our story over and over, not caring what others think about us. Maybe there is a room brimming with old Tupperware and the shiniest of silver chalices. Banishing Boggerts is a lot of work. It requires company or community. It requires each person to know what they fear the most, what makes them laugh, the willingness and courage to face their fears, and the eagerness and openness to work together. You might say boggart hunting is paradoxical work, keeping two opposite thoughts in your head, being both individual work and communal work, and being with people who have different fears and different senses of humor. Perhaps there is a place where deceivers are with the deceived. Where those who have been manipulated can be with those who have been manipulated. Where those who are privileged can be with those who have had to resort to desperate measures. Perhaps there is a place where those who were enslaved can be with those who enslaved them. Perhaps there is a place where Republicans and Democrats, socialists and capitalists, gun-toters and tree-huggers can live together. Perhaps there is a place where the fears of those who are pro-life and the fears of those who are pro-choice can inform one another. Perhaps there is a place where boundaries can be established and respected and walls can be torn down and abandoned. Perhaps there is a place where Protestants and Catholics and Anglicans slash Episcopalians can be together. Perhaps there is a bar where a rabbi and a mom and a priest can be themselves together. No matter which fears stay, no matter which fears leave, no matter what we discover about ourselves, no matter where that place is either in this world or in the next, God, the kingdom of God, the family of God, is already there.